and welcome to Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6, somewhere on the spectrum. With me, as always, your host, Django Nudo. And me, the smut peddler. Post-Halloween, which I have to say, it was a bumper season, not just in terms of the films, but we had great response to the newsletter, the podcast. We definitely have to plan another great Halloween for 2022 for Cult Picks. Definitely. And I mean, horror is one of the main courses in our our big meal of or smorgasbord, as we say in Sweden. Smorgasbord, smorgasbord. So we might as well reveal that for people who don't want to wait until the next Halloween, we have a very fun Christmas, the bad Christmas plan, where we're going to have a bad vent calendar of bad films, 24 or 25 of them, maybe even in the run up Mm. to the festive season in December. And... um, so, so you mean one new one new movie every day? Yes, not five a week, but seven a week, Monday through Sunday. And just to be clear, it's not at all us dumping all of the great films that we've collected but haven't been able to find a theme for uh, in one month. It is a carefully thought through plan yeah. of 25 very good cult films. For it's an insane month. mix of, of genres and years and, and uh, countries for sure. <clears throat> Grindhouse should be that because it should be a bit of, you know, chop suey, a bit of um, Godzilla, a bit of horror yeah. and nudies. So, Absolutely. But uh, let's do a very quick promo before we move on to the main topic of the week, um, which is that we need to remind people if they're not sick of hearing it already and... Uh, pardon me if you're not living in one of these cities where this is possible but if you are in london bristol york or glasgow please be sure to come to the local everyman to watch anita swedish nymph um, which will be presented in restored high definition glory uh, from the swedish film institute and and this is a big and christina Lindberg will be there herself in the flesh your chance to meet a real star of the exploitation cinema. And Smutty, you're going to be here as well, aren't you? I will be there, together with Christina Lindberg. Yes. And signing your book, Do You Believe in Swedish Sin? Hopefully, but as Christina is the star, I think she should probably sign the pages where she has her own chapter in the book. I think it'd be more worth that way on eBay. So that concludes the uh, shameless self-promotion and plugs intro to this week's Cult Picks Radio. Let's swiftly move on to the big topic of the week because it's going to be another bumper edition and we're going to run well over an hour once we've included all the music and dialogue and scenes and clips from the potpourri of films that we have for you. But let's begin with a very specific clip to set the tone of it, because the question you should ask yourself before watching any of these films is, does this film make for a good date film? you got to be kidding. What? This is a dirty movie. No, no, this, this, is, the, this is a movie that uh, a lot of couples come to, all kinds of couples go here. Sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, I see them all the time. Where are you going? I've leave now. Why? I don't know why I came in here. I don't like these movies. Well, I mean, I, you know, I didn't know that you'd, you'd feel that way about this movie. I don't know much about movies, but if I... You feel the kind of movies you go to? Well, yeah, I mean, I come and they are, this is not so bad. This Take film, me to a place like this is about as exciting to me as saying, let's fuck. Now, I'm sure everybody recognized that as the clip from Martin Scorsese's classic Taxi Driver and shed some light on this mystery, Smart Peddler. What specific film is it that Travis Bickle takes Sybil Shepard to on this very awkward 
date night. Is it an actual film from our collection? No, it's not. In in true exploitation uh, grindhouse style, we've always promoted the Swedish uh, sex education film, The Language of Love, as being the film that's being screened in the cinema with this botched uh, date for Travis Bickle. He thinks it's a good idea to go to 42nd Street to watch uh, Swedish, allegedly Swedish uh, sex ed movie. But it's not. It's a. Um, I think it's a Danish film called Swedish Marriage Manual, something like that. Mm. And rumor has it, and we haven't really been able to corroborate that, is that uh, Martin Scorsese himself uh, penned the dialogue in that clip. So this not being one of the films um, in our collection, however, we do have a really a cropper crop of films from both sides of the Atlantic. And it's very, very interesting comparing the sex education films as we've grouped them together by name uh, in terms of the very different attitudes. And it's almost yeah. as if we had two different categories of films. Um, you could say that. I mean, sex ed is, is sort of the, the header of it all. But underneath that, I would say that, that there are two very separate strains going in different directions. A case of the, the European films being more, I don't know if you want to call them permissive or po sex positive, I think maybe we should say. Um, whereas the American sex education films are really sex warning films about why you shouldn't have sex. Sex is bad for you. All sorts of terrible things can happen. The interesting thing is that Sweden was a forerunner. I mean, even as early as in the, in the 40s and, and 50s. Uh, in terms of, of sex education and going on, you know, into the 60s, what happened then and the, the whole idea of, of Swedish sin and all of that. There are some theories about Sweden, why we got our rumor and just to pinpoint Reputation. a few of them. Yeah. One of them was that we had mandatory sex education in schools very early we had uh, we legalized uh, contraceptives very early. I mean, those were actually illegal in, in most of the world. And also, at the same time, with the social reforms going on and, and obviously the, the pill coming up, and that changed a lot. And it changed the attitude towards Sweden as well as, as you know, with the rumor of young, blonde Swedish women willing to do anything. Yes. Thank you for the education, Professor Smut Peddler. Let's get <laughs> let's get to the smutty films. One one of the early films um, that we do have on Culpix, which is called Ogift Father Circus or Unmarried Mothers, which we have in a, a shoddy print with burnt-in English subtitles. Mm. I think shoddy prints is a bit of a theme for the week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. What I love most about it, it actually is... Um, how something weird video the text that they have for the film because they really put a funny spin on it, maybe funnier than the film itself. But, you know, reading up briefly of it, it's during Midsummer Night festivities when the entire population of Sweden behaves like bunnies. Irina meets Stieg, smitten at first sight. They make love in a field. They also promise to meet again the following day, but Stieg's a no-show, the schmo. Irene soon discovers that she's pregnant with twins, tries to track Stieg down, but comes up Stiegless. Depressed and feeling alone, in this cold, cruel world, she enters the hospital to give birth, only to discover that the doctor on duty is, you guessed it, Stieg himself. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah, and the film wasn't much of a sensation in, in our native Sweden. But no. as, as, as things go, it was screened in the so-called art house theaters in the U.S. and sold as smut. So you can imagine how, how starved the audience was for anything a little bit cheeky. Men du, hela veckan måste du sjunga. Nej, jag lovar vi vecka det. Du vet någonting känsligt som... Om man har gått, allting blir så grått. När blomningens tid är förliden. Yeah, 
Och om november som december blir både bitande och kall blir det ljust och skönt med dig i alla fall. Let's fast forward now to the fun smutty bit, still staying in Sweden, but coming on to the piece de resistance, really, of, of um, Coldplay's parent company, Club Super 8, which is the Language of Love franchise, or yeah. as I like to think of it, the Language of Love cinematic universe. <laughs> the L-O-L-U. <laughs> Lolu, Lolu. Okay. Lovely. Well, uh, so the, the 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 year is 1969, and um, the very shrewd producer and very commercial producer Inge Ivarsson, who had been going on since the 40s making comedies and action films, um, teamed up with a director Torgny Wickman, who made a couple of feature films in the 50s, and we've talked about him before about some of his exploitation films. And they decided to make a um, sex ed films that really pulled out all the stops. Um, and it was called Kärlek and Språk or The Language of Love. And they managed to secure four excellent sexologists slash mm. uh, doctors, um, which were the Danish couple Inge and Sten Hegeler, who had their own uh, advice column in a, one of Sweden's biggest newspapers. So they were quite famous. Uh, yes. The gynecologist uh, Sture Kullhed and the sexologist Maybrit Bergström Valan. Mm. And as Inge Ivarsson was a good friend of ours, he has told us a lot of stories about the making of these films because there were actually not one film, not two films, but four films and a series of short films after that. They were supposed to um, just suggest the intimate parts of it, not you know, not showing it in your face, but uh, mm. they, they really had to go all the way because of the, the gynecologist Sture Kullhed and his wife, who were very devout Christians. And they said mm. that we will not be part of anything false. That's what Jesus Christ our Lord tells us. We shall not lie. So nope. you have to have real masturbation and real penetration in the film. I love this fact because I'd always assumed, not knowing the background story, that um, you know, Torgny Wickman uh, and Inge Ivarsson decided to push the envelope. You know, it was you know, 1969. Revolution was in the air. Student communes and all that. The time was right for showing penetration on the big screen, and um, they found a, a good excuse to do it by having people in uh, lab coats sitting around and smoking pipes and talking about it. Then cut to the action. But the fact that it was the sexologists and that they did it because they were deeply devout christians yes. is just amazing at the same time i there must have been some ulterior motive rather than just you know doing god's work that got them into the sexology god gave us these bodies to be enjoyed of course oh yeah and and that's is this is what Stuart Kullhed is talking about in the film as well that sex for pleasure not just for making babies mm. exactly so you know, yes, they were Christians, but they knew how to have fun, and they clearly wanted to show that fun on the screen. So, yes, not faking it um, yeah. is a good excuse. But, yeah. hey, I'm happy with it. However, uh, Swedish Board of Censors weren't so happy. In fact, they had a bit of a head spin about it, how to deal with this kind of film. Yeah, the, 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 the head of the, of, the, of the Swedish censorship... He watched the film three times and then he had to take a vacation. <laughs> and he came back that. spinning, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is educational. We cannot say that it's pornography. No, cannot and, and should not be censored and therefore released without any cuts, amazingly. Yeah. And that also basically brought down that part of the Swedish censorship in terms of nudity and sex. So inadvertently uh, he opened the floodgates of porn in, in the years mm. to come for sure and then the next step it then went on export around the world um you know cementing sweden's reputation yeah it was such a huge success i've been i've seen the numbers in terms of what the production cost was and how much they earned on it and it was mind-blowing 
yeah. completely. I mean, it must have been printing money. Although, of course, it didn't come out everywhere. I know that uh, Norway, true to you know spirit and you know banning traditions like <laughs> uh, well yeah. monty python life of brian came later but you know mm. they had a good good start of this banning this one uh and of course it, it never quite made it through uh u.s customs because I, I think we talked about it already once before they bribed yeah. the, the wrong official who exactly. didn't turn up for or, work that day and then it exactly, got stuck in yeah. courts and by the time it came out the floodgates had long been open and, and all manner of filth had poured out before it yeah, that's very true. I mean, in, in also in terms of, of it being a commercial success, um, Maybrit Bergström-Valand was a very serious sexologist who uh, she had her own sex column in Kamratposten, which was, was a oh, magazine yeah. for youth. Um, yep. She also worked at the RFSU, which uh, translates to the Swedish Association for Sexuality Education. And yes. they did not like her being part of a commercial project. So she got sacked. And I must say this this for Inge Ivarsson as well, that when, when my Britt was fired, he bankrolled the start of her own uh, company called the, the Swedish Sexological Institute, which was yeah. run by her all, all the way up to her death in 2014. Well, so good him. for him. He, was, he did have a heart. He was not just a, a cold, cruel businessman. <laughs> An exploitation producer. You living in London, you have to tell the story of... Uh... Yes, we have to finish with the Sir Cliff Richard anecdote, um, who, of course, you know, he also Christian, but obviously of a different persuasion than mm. the sexologist Christian, um, led a march through central London um, of 30,000 people under the banner, and I quote, Sweden, more porn, more suicides, more alcoholism, and more gonorrhea every year. Now, yep. what I wonder there is not just what statistic he bases it on, because uh, the suicide thing just keeps coming back. Or, but why single out gonorrhea? You know, why not syphilis? That's you know, true. Why not chlamydia? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I would say that today the, this whole banner would be called fake news. Ah, probably I think you're right. Yeah. No, but I mean, all in all, um, all all of these films, and we will come back to them one by one. Uh, they were very much about enjoying sex. That masturbation is healthy. I mean, all of these things in the sixties were completely taboo. Yep. So in 1969, this must have been a complete sensation. A beautifully shot film as well, and yeah. it's not some cheapo, sleazy, um, you know, quick bang for the buck kind of production obviously you know serious attention to production values went into it including how they filmed the actual intercourse you know it was they created the stage and discrete cameras kind of hidden away and it was it was done cleverly yeah it stands and this was the time yeah and this was based on 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 the on the research done by masters and johnson who were the big you know the, the big mm. sexologist in the u.s at that time so, yeah. um, so this is the, the first language of love film in from 1969. So let's see if people can figure out from the tune who the composer might be. When we talk of love, we don't need words because the language of Very, very timely because their new album is coming up out this Friday after 40 mm. years of a break. But before they were ABBA, they were just smart music makers. Yeah, in a, in a couple of films. Um, so this was the theme tune, not to the original language of love in Swedish, but in the English language version. And it was uh, written by Bjorn and Benny of ABBA. Mm. Amazing. So what very few people realize is that during the shoot of 
the language of love, they back to back with every scene, they shot the same scene in English where the sexologists mm. speak English quite well for that time, I would say. And then all of the uh, parts with actors who have dialogue, uh, those were dubbed. Which was a common enough practice. I know horror films, they would shoot in, in English and then do a retake in Spanish and occasionally different actors and so on. But this, so maybe not surprising because Inge must have had a, an eye on the export market. But why did they make the music by Bjorn and Benny exclusively for the export version? Did they not want to be associated at home with this kind of film? Or do we know anything more about it? No, we don't. I, I just think that and they were not a big name internationally at that time no. in 69. No, no, no. So, and, and in the Swedish version, it's more of a folk song with a little nice uh, lyrics to it. That, that's very, very different from, from the pop song. So maybe it mm. was just a pop thing they, they, they wanted for the film. I don't know. But it's the same. It's the same boring uh, conversation around the table in a in a living room, and they are smoking cigarettes and pipe like mad, and they yeah. drink tea out of huge, huge teacups. I, I I wonder how that worked for them. That must have been yeah. <laughs> horrible. It's sort of like it's it's like Mad Men with ugly people. Mm. Yeah, and no alcohol. But, <laughs> and there's also a lot of lots of fun interior decoration if you're into 60s style furniture. Yeah, there, there's that's much what to, I mean. to, to catch there. <laughs> oh, the mid-century modern, you know, decor is impeccable. Worth watching yeah. for that too. Yeah, but shall we have a listen to a bit of this boring dialogue in English? Just like Masters and Johnson, we like to demonstrate the bodily reactions of sexual stimulation during a woman's masturbation act. The reactions are described in four phases. During the first phase, the excitation, the clitoris will increase and the feeling of erotic pleasure will concentrate in the clitoris. The small lips expand markedly. The nipples erect and the breast increase in actual size. Now, I'm guessing the sequel to the original Language of Love or, or this Language of Love cinematic universe must have been greenlit pretty darn quickly as soon as the censors released it and it was apparent of just how much um, money it was going to make. Um, so yeah. More from the Language of Love, imaginative title, uh, came out in 1970. And so what was different about this one then? Well, if the first one was very much, uh, well, well, in terms of, of, of the subject matter, very straight sex, uh, and also very much lab-oriented into these uh, environments they had created. Here they went more into the streets, you know, finding real locations like, like people's homes, uh, sex clubs, porn shoots, and stuff like that. And also the subject matter was much broader, so it actually starts with, with, a, with a gay couple, two guys coming ho going home and having sex and that was a complete shock to the audience. I think the filmmakers, they sort of uh, overestimated the audience. So, so people were quite shocked about that. But then it also deals with, with the handicapped and sex, with elderly and sex. Uh, so it's very, very open-minded for 1970, I would say. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't pandering to, you know, gratuitous tastes or, you know, what is sex like between, you know, just lesbians were the kind of um, stock uh, yeah. porn troops that you'd have but they was just went very all much, in they went more all out <laughs> was very much though the there is another obviously documentary that uh, people around the world associate with sweden which is the i am curious yellow and blue and which i should say is an incredibly dull film apart from certain mm. sections mm. Um, not even very well made, I would say, but obviously made a name for itself by being slightly earlier. Um, so, and it, very political as well, which these are not, fortunately. Hmm. But was this in that same kind of vein? Were, were the film were they films of an era that they felt they had to push all these boundaries and go to, into all these areas? I just think that after the first film and and them being well educated sexologists and and reading up a lot on all of the big trendy sexologist in the states i think they thought this was a very very natural continuation of the first film mm. this was what where they were going 
so they were actually true to the subject, the nature of the film, and and it's us, the audience, watching it who had the prurient interest. So you will find out about sex between men or old people or handicapped, whether you like it mm. or not, because this is what true sexology is about. Exactly, yeah. And 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 as you say, it was from 1970, and then immediately 1971 was the next film, which was called The XYZ of Love. And here we are going into to, uh, legislation and, and the, 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 the sort of the criminal uh, universe or the part of, of sexuality which is taboo or forbidden, like, like rape and abuse, adultery, divorce. Uh, so it's, it's not a happy film. This is much, much no. more problem-oriented. And they have politicians, which is always a great sexual turnoff. Yeah, it's interesting that they got the, the leader of the Liberal Party, Ola Ulsten, as one of the people uh, talking in the film, as well as the, 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 the very, very famous uh, lawyer, Leif Silberski, who was defending mm. all, the, all the big criminals, all the big cases in Sweden at that time. Yeah. And I, I wonder what people abroad made of it, but I'm sure it went on export, even if it didn't make as much as yeah. the other one. We know that each film uh, earned less and less money naturally i would say now being called the xyz of love kind of implies language of love end game but mm. there was one more after this yeah and this is my favorite definitely and it the, it's so funny it's in swedish it was called if i direct translate it love this is how we do it letters to inge and sten mm -hmm. but in the us it was just called love play Yep, which is a good name. I like the fact that it's a better tone of this. So this is Ingen still, but they moved from the studio, from the street, and now they're in, very Swedish, in their summer house, uh, reading letters from the newspaper columnist, and boom, we cut to a, well, if you know listening to it wasn't enough, this is how it would look. So yeah. I think... It's funny, it's silly, yeah, it's it's different. Um, not long after this, effectively, Ingi Vashon lost interest in making any more of the uh, Language of Love cinematic universe and moved on to the pure hardcore films with our friend Mac Alberg, who we've covered in a previous podcast, all of which yeah. are available on Cult Picks. But exactly. there was an afterlife to these films, wasn't there? Yeah, so we unearthed some years ago a I think it was like a fragment, it's around an hour, of something called Sweden is Love. It is from the makers of the Language of Love films, but none of them would admit to it. And it's just the naughty bits from all of the films with a very dirty, uh, sleazy voiceover. So um, this is from 72, and let's listen a little bit to the sleazy voiceover. I don't mind listening to their troubles. It's a business arrangement. Streetwalkers are the holdover legacies of a suppressed culture. These women are operating a kind of underground massage parlor in their apartment. They're not supposed to do this by law, but it's better than working the streets, which is legally approved. It's your turn. No, you do it. I did it last time. Yes, but do it anyway. Yes, but it's your turn. Okay, then. What the hell is that? I don't know. So having overdosed on language of love and Swedish educational smut, why don't we go across the Atlantic and see what our American cousins were doing at that time? And when you come to the US, uh, there's a lot of... The, I think the, 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 the theme of, of a bunch of, of compilations from Something Weird Video is excellent. Six hygiene scare films. I think that's how you could put it. It is, and it's, it's kind of off-putting. Um, actually, Karen pointed this out, and it, it doesn't really sell it. But, yeah, they're funny. Even if they're telling you, don't do sex. Sex is bad. All these horrible yeah. things could happen to you if you have sex. And here, let's, let's make it as graphic as we can, even in illustrations, just to frighten you. And, yeah. um, but, but they still have a kind of implied sleaze value and... Watching them together is a wonderful kind of testament to how the whole subject has changed, moved on, and, and portrayal of it in films has matured over the years. But we really go back to the very 
beginnings of it, which I think was um, during the war, Second World War, mm. and which, you know, because of um, society changing and the fact that, you know, GIs were away, women were on their own, the concept of teenager suddenly existed. There were no teenagers, you know, before the Second World War. There was depression, mm. so you were born, and, you know, when you were old enough, you started working. Suddenly you had teenagers, yeah. and they had sex. So why don't we listen to a soundbite to kind of ease us into the whole uh, mentality and era and the feel of the sex hygiene scare films from the U.S. Each and every one of these infected youngsters is a potential spreader of disease, as are all of the boys that they have dated. Nor is juvenile delinquency confined to the children of the underprivileged classes. In fact, the number of delinquents from wealthy families is astonishingly large. Many of them finding their mothers busy with their social activities, bridge playing or in war work, amuse themselves by pulling wild jitterbug parties. Some go in for petting parties or trysts with boyfriends. Others who have automobiles or are allowed unrestricted use of the family car indulge in heavy necking in more or less secluded spots. In all of these cases where youthful energy and inquisitiveness are unrestrained, the sex urge is always present, and promiscuity nearly always follows with its inevitable harvest of abortions, illegitimate births, and disease. This sets the scene sort of very nicely of, of what it is about. And we're not going to go through and review each and every one of the films in these compilations uh, individually because then we'd be here for hours and yeah, yeah. it would put people off sex forever. I just remember now uh, about these films. Obviously, they, a lot of them were later on shown um, with the, those roadshow masters who were traveling around with prints of films of like Birth of a yes. Baby movies and stuff like that. Oh, um, but kind of things. many of them had um, the audience separated by gender. So men oh. in one screening, mm -hmm. women in another. There was the Fact of Life booklet that you could buy for 10 cents. And there yes. was also the white-coated Dr. Elliot Forbes who introduced the films. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Elliot Forbes, he could take on many shapes and forms and hairstyles and, and hair colors, depending on where yes. in the States he performed <laughs> at the time. you got to have a lab-coated professor or doctor yeah. introducing it. But he was it always just... meant to be called Dr. Elliot Forbes. That was important. Dr. Elliot Forbes. It's a reassuring yeah. name. The thing to remember is, has sex hygiene being made during the war? It was a black and white film. I know it had close-ups, but we're still watching it in black and white. And then in the 1960s, um, you get films like um, A Quarter Million Teenagers, which is also part of the compilation, where you get these incredibly colorful, stylized art that suggests the ravages of these venereal diseases. You know, lovely lime green infected scrotums and, you know, I mean, we're really selling these films in this, <laughs> yeah. this Oh God! Uh, yes, this, this, there, we're we're talking overdose already, and we're not. We're just going through volume one of the sex hygiene scare <laughs> films have, here. We haven't even got My further, God. but it, it does remind me of the fact that the scariest films probably on cult picks, and we haven't done a season about it, but uh, or we haven't done a podcast about it, but you know, are are the documentaries, and the other one mm. are the highway safety ones. Yeah. Which there's nothing. I mean, if you're going to scare people to not have sex or not drive unsafely, or at least not crashing, nothing better than to show them the kind of horrific images of what the real life results are like to just yeah. scare people stupid. And you have a you had a favorite clip from this compilation, I think, where Sweden is mentioned. Shall we? Yes, let's Listen. play. It. After the war, is our sincere hope that there will be a great national movement for education in all matters pertaining to the public health with a special reference to this terrible infectious disease as has been done in Sweden with astonishing success. If and when these things are done, we may look confidently forward to a day when this type of disease, which has killed and maimed more hapless victims, and cause more misery and suffering than all the wars and famines and pestilences combined 
will cease to be a major problem. So this really ties back to the original point that Professor Smut was making at the beginning, that Sweden was seen as a leading light in terms of dealing with the issues around venereal diseases, sexual hygiene relationship, and so on. But it's very interesting to see it highlighted in a positive way from a U.S. film and a U.S. health expert. Now, obviously, this probably was what was the equivalent of a sexologist in the 1940s, but very, very fascinating. Although, of course, they were never going to highlight and compliment the Germans for, you know, their sex hygiene, which I'm sure, you know, were well underway, not to mention with other horrible eugenics and racial overtones. So Mm, go Sweden. Exactly, yeah. So moving on to Sex Hygiene Scare Films Volume 2 with a wonderful, with a wonderfully named film VD Name Your Contacts it doesn't this... need much more of a introduction than that but it's about the the naming and shaming uh, people who gave you your little sore I think that's like track and tracing of COVID you know they didn't mm, have an exactly. app for it back then of who you'd been close to so just write on a list hand it over and, and we'll round them up and get them tested too yeah and it's very enthusiastic about the the the, the naming of, of of people. So there, there you go. But I mean, there are so many shorts in in these uh, compilations that are just wonderful. And there's so much going on. I mean, a favorite in this one is a film called Sex in Today's World mm-hmm. um, from 1966, where you where you can see that that the sexual revolution is coming up, but people are, you know. They they are almost dazed by the possibilities of what you can do, and they they are interviewing you know doctors, psychologists, professors, students, preachers, and there are a lot of things going on. And you can also see, which is I think one of the most beautiful part of these type of films, uh, footage from street scenes that that you know things that are not around anymore, like the the really. Uh, glorious heyday of of 42nd street and the grand house theaters there Mm. and playboy bunnies i mean you can't even think of playboy bunnies (laughs) now uh, today and most surprising of all to to me is that there's concert footage of frank zappa and the mothers well if you want sexual promiscuity neatly encapsulated in music you know what better than dopey zappa and the mothers so there was a lot of yeah. sex out there. Check it out. Yeah. Um, not going to go into, I think, the other ones on volume two. Skipping ahead to volume three. Uh, <laughs> and what I love about this is not just the films themselves, but, you know, Lisa Petrucci, shout out, the great, great descriptions that were made for these films. Um, yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> it's half the pre- pleasure. It is half the pleasure of watching yeah. them. And going into volume three, we have VD every 30 seconds. And the, the, the description is also, also great that it's, you know, bombarding us with animated diagrams of people with lightning bolts flashing in their infected areas. Last but not least, we are now up to Sex Hygiene Scare Films, volume four. And I must commend something weird video for compiling and saving all of these films for posterity. I mean, it's incredible. No one has really taken care of this heritage. And now here they are available to everyone. Yes. No, they've done a, they're doing God's work. um, Yeah. As devout Christian sexologists would say. Yeah, so those were the co- the compilations, and maybe we shall have a little um, illustration of, of the next film, uh, where we go back in time to Sex Madness from 1938. And while I hate to tell you, you must know the truth. The truth, Doctor? The truth. Your baby is syphilitic, and one or both of you are the cause. What in God's name are you talking about? But he said I was cured. Not uh, an aspect of the disease will be left. I'm the one who did this. Me. Only me. I had the disease. There you go. That should definitely put you off um, social diseases and the people who spread them. Be warned. What I love about the next film is that it marks a very important starting point in exploitation film history. This is what kicked off the incredible career 
of David F. Friedman, um, who went on to do many, many great things, including She Freak, that we just featured before. But this one is Street Corner, 1948. And again, something weird video. You know, sleuths, film historians, archivists, and general doers of God's work in this film industry who uncovered this long-lost 1948 hygiene classic, Street Corner. And it was one of those four very famous post-war hygiene epics which um, you know toured the country and were part of the modern film hygiene consortium alongside, obviously, the famous ones Mom and Dad, Because of Eve, and the story of Bob and Sally. So again, no prizes for originality in terms of the story because it's always very much the same much variant of you know a happy go lucky schoolgirl schoolboy um who doesn't know about the facts of life and ends up going wrong as a result yeah. and picking up these social diseases we are now talking about a film from 1949 and 1962 at the same time how is it even possible how is this possible, Smart Peddler? Do tell. <clears throat> well, the fact is that um, in 1949, there was a film made called, well, now it's called The Wrong Rut, but it has been known under various names over the years. Um, and it so happens to be Ida Lupino's uh, directorial debut, um, unfortunately uncredited. Um, but she got the job because the um, original director fell ill. Oh, McClifton, yeah. Yeah. So he had a very serious heart attack and um, she took took over the, uh, the reins early on in the shoot. And she did a very, she made a very elegant film about unwed pregnancy, um, which was fine, and you know it was screen- screened like that for for a long time. Um, but in the early sixties, a roadshow promoter um, found this film. He um, edited out the original credits from it, um, and um, he also added some slogans like "Taken from the st- true story, it will never be too late." And uh, also, a story of a girl who allows herself to get in the wrong rut, subjecting herself to mental torture and mental anguish as a means of self-punishment for what she has done. Uh, So what he did, very blatantly, was adding on a cesarean section uh, operation scene in full color, from the early 60s into this 1940s film, you. which is, ooh, wow. and um, Exploitation at its worst, or best. It really is. And, and, and this was done over and over again, changing old films by adding footage. I think the, from a copyright point of view, it's very, it's very shameful. But, you know, if you could make a buck, you, 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 you did it. But next up, we had... Mated from 1952, uh, which is called An Illustrated Lecture on Film, and um, with a narrator, very helpful explaining the difference between the male and female plumbing. And then we get just this bizarre montage of all these different stock shots of everything, uh, including uh, pin-up, pin-up style photos of guys and dolls displaying very full pickles and beavers. So full frontal nudity, amazingly, but for educational purposes and way before uh, the language of love. So, and we have forgotten another film from the same era, Birthright from 1951. Birthright, indeed, yes. So, and and I mean, these films are all either about a young innocent girl being getting pregnant or a young innocent girl getting the clap. And in this case, uh, this is another one. Speaking of splicing films in with with, with you know, completely unrelated footage. Here, it's a straightforward film about a guy who gets a clap and and, uh, passes it on to his pregnant wife, which is, you know, it's bad enough. But uh, to make it a little bit more more sleazy, they add on um, a completely different couple than the ones that are supposed to have sex in the film from a black Mm. and white film uh, and a, a silent 
uh, silent clip and it has nothing to do with these people so it it turns into some sort of surrealism yes. and of course just like the one we talked about before when the wife goes into labor boom there's some boom. rude and crude birth of a baby footage thrown in just for fun you see now we can cure you but most people don't have to take examinations like you food handlers do and that means that anybody that you might have been with in the past few months may have syphilis and not know it. Yes, ma'am. And if they're married, they will probably make their wives sick with syphilis. The way that no good husband of mine did before he ran off and left me. That's right, Nell. But it can be even worse than that. Suppose that this John that you told me about is married and his wife should get pregnant. Unless we find her soon and she takes treatment, it's very likely that her baby will be born dead or diseased. Now, before we end up and in neutral chocolate territory, Let's do a quick roundup of um, four of the last films that will be on this site, which two of them are the first films we actually added to the theme week, which is Perversion for Profit 1 and 2, which was a very, very vehemently anti-pornography propaganda documentary, which was made by the Ohio Citizens for Decent Literature. This is I want to be a member of that association. Yes. Do you think they're still going? You know, uh, how much probably in the in this day I, I would believe so yeah it could be time for resurrection if not otherwise yeah. but it talks about warning about the two billion dollar annual filth industry and the moral decay this is causing americans with pornography smut peddlers yes you salacious magazines and paper books fetishists corruptors of children nudists and homosexuals notice how you know they're all banged in there together equally bad wow. And, and just like Language of Love, they realized that they were onto a hit so quickly churned out another um, sequel, which was imaginatively titled Perversion for Profit 2. What was interesting about this one is, of course, it's also vehemently not just anti-porn, but anti-gay um, mm. and you know, fetishism as well. But what I love the most about this, and you don't need to watch the film to get this, is the fact that the producer of it, one Charles Keating, who was on President Nixon's Presidential Commission for Obscenity and Pornography in 1969, was in the Reagan era convicted of war fraud and racketeering as the head of a savings and loans company and served jail time. So these moral guardians, yeah, these people looking out for the best of society, of course, you know, often turn out to be hypocrites and or you know criminals in their own right as was yeah, it Charles seems Keating. to be a tradition a, a thing that's running yeah yeah whereas Ingi Vashon decent fellow that he was you know helped out one of the unfortunate victims of his films so I think this highlights the moral difference between the smart peddlers and the anti-smart propagandists to finish off we have aphrodisiac the Sexual Secret of Marijuana from 1971, uh, which looks at how drug use, another bane of the moral uh, majority, um, led to humping and grinding. And so, barely, barely judgmental, but a good excuse to show people getting naked and just mm. what it is that the marijuana does. And finally, a very short film, but I think the most pro-sex kind of film, but it was 1973 and well past the summer of love, uh, which is a sexually mature adult, which after the success, obviously, of The Language of Love um, from Sweden, they came up with their own sex education documentary, which shows intercourse diagrams and people being interviewed, all, of course, in the interest of education. So we have one more film. It's not, it's not an American film, but uh, it's dubbed into English, and it was a big success in the... Roadhouse, road, road show, uh, grindhouse circuit. Um, it was actually called uh, the original title was Der Arzt stellt fest, which should mean the doctor states or something like that. Mm. It's from 1966 and it's from Switzerland. Yeah, and it's basically um, one of these young young woman abortion thing but it birth. has a twist yeah birth yes. of a baby the whole thing it has a twist the um the mother or the 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 young woman who um gets pregnant um she uh, 
she has a baby she has to um she has to leave the baby up for abortion and walking the streets she kidnaps a baby from a carriage that she sees mm. so it's very dramatic We won't leave you. We're right here. But if you haven't overdosed um, on our theme week of sex education and sex warning films, then congratulations to you. I think we should have some kind of award for anybody who sits through all four volumes <laughs> of sex warning films and can prove yeah. it. Yeah. Can they prove it? And I mean, also, we, we, we must say that we have a big box full of uh, or the original Facts of Life brochure. I think one for the boys and one for the girls. So if you get in touch with us and uh, will give us your street address, we will personally deliver it. No, we will deliver it through the post office uh, anywhere in the world where you live. We have a limited uh, bunch of them that we can be yours. This is a real collectible. I don't know how much you'll get for an eBay, but it re- is really, you know, a great souvenir. Yeah, so at least two dollars. At least $2. <laughs> you know, contact us on social media, email us, find us the usual way. You know how. Yeah. But that pretty much concludes this week's episode of Cult Picks Radio WCPX 66.6 with me, your host, Django Nudo. And the co-host, the Smut Peddler. When we talk of love, we don't need words, because the language of our love still can be heard, even your touch. Who needs to see?